now the new season. Chance to start afresh with a blank slate, renewed optimism and quiet expectation as a brand new Premier League campaign stretches out in front of you. Positivity on tap, a new signing to enjoy and Old Trafford bathed in sunshine on a Saturday afternoon. You remember all that, Rich? Which world is that in? <laughs> is that some different dimension that we, that, we, that we don't know about? Sounds about right, yeah. everyone welcome to the brand new season of the red voices podcast a pleasure to have you with us uh even in these inauspicious circumstances as united obviously lost 3-1 to crystal palace on this saturday afternoon you've got you and leonard and richard can to dissect united's first game of the season which i think it's fair to say didn't exactly go to plan but there we go plenty to discuss richard in first though how are we i'm i'm okay i'm okay not as bad as i thought i'd be after a 3-1 home defeat to palace can we also just put out there that you decided to avert your gaze for the last two Palace goals? No, no, I averted my gaze after the penalty purely after because the penalty, the yeah, yeah, purely right. because my dinner was ready and we have guests and I felt the game was up. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if that makes me a, a terrible fan, but um, in the circumstances, I wanted to save myself the rest of the pain. And, I don't and think it makes you a terrible polite. fan. I think it makes you more of a splitter for this podcast. Because basically, yeah, no, you're basically making me go through the, the grim reality on my own. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll just go with it. And then and then you can just cut me out at like 70 minutes. I mean, that's fair of, enough. Of the yeah. match. Okay. Or something. It, 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 pretend I'm not here. <laughs> okay, let's see how that goes then. <laughs> An interesting start to the season though, Rich. I think we can both agree on that one. I mean, obviously yeah. shaped by the fact that several players had not come back into training until the beginning of the week. So there was no Wan-Bissaka in the starting lineup, no Matic in the squad at all. Uh, Mason Greenwood starting on the bench, Dan James starting out on the right. And then Timothy Foster-Mensah obviously starting at right back in the absence of the aforementioned Wan-Bissaka. But yeah. did you see it being quite as bad as that with obviously everything coming into the equation in the sense that United had had no pre-season, has finished their season late and were starting a week later, looked well short of match fitness, fitness all yeah. all of the all of this criteria. Did you see it being as bad as that? I I was worried about the game. I don't think I necessarily saw it play out as badly as that because I think everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um but but I mean you, you touched on there and I think I think post match I was I was feeling a bit a bit hung up on Ollie and other things and I've kind of calmed down a bit and perhaps for once for once in like five years I might be the voice of reason and kind of to to cheer everybody up this time because I think there's so many mitigations to that game that it's difficult to really take anything away from it. Um, All right. I mean, you, you obviously you touched on the the, the, the preseason and the summer. I mean, we we had I think just under three weeks less of a summer break than Palace. Um, they've played six games prior to prior to this one, um, and obviously United have played one friendly in which half the team didn't play. Um, and most of them only played 45 minutes that were there. And depending on when the players have come back, you know, Ollie's had a maximum of about 10 days with some of them and a minimum of about three days. Um, 
So is it really that surprising to see a, a United team that was lacking both in fitness and intensity and also in cohesion? I'm not sure that it that it that it is. I mean, that, and I, I don't want to take away from the fact that there were some glaring issues there that have been glaring issues for a long time as well that contributed mm, yeah. to to the defeat. But I don't want to lay too much on Oli because there's clearly a, a lot of other things, including the the summer's transfer business that, that that has really not helped him at all. Yeah, I mean, I think on a different day, United certainly offer up a much improved performance with a lot more pressing in a, in a lot and much better attack. You know, I, we were pretty toothless throughout the entirety of the game. It didn't get any better when Mason came on for Dan James in the second half, and it didn't necessarily improve that much more when Van der Beek replaced Pogba, and Pogba, bless him, looked every inch a guy who's just had several weeks off, obviously recovering from a positive test for coronavirus and hasn't had much training under his belt. No. You know, it, it was every inch a game that United just needed to try and find a way through and Palace were clearly in no mood to provide us with that. And, you know, the the tone of the game was set pretty early on, you know, and you're seeing De Gea pass out poorly from his goal and both McTominay and Shaw completely misread the situation. No one gets the ball. It was just lacking in intensity, as you said there, and it wasn't really much of a surprise when Andros Townsend turned in Schlupp's cross, you know, and again, it was even less of a surprise when you looked at the usual culprits missing their challenges or not getting hold of the ball, not closing down a cross, you know, it was just so horribly basic, wasn't it? I mean, Lindelof isn't isn't getting tight to Schlupp at all on that, and he allows the cross to come in far too easily, and a combination of Short and Maguire should be at least a much tighter on Andros Townsend to stop that ball going in. But between the three of them, no one really did their job well enough. And I know that there's an argument to talk about match sharpness there, but uh, this is not something that I think you can p- completely put down to that. No. I would say that United lacking in intensity in key defensive moments is an ongoing narrative for some time. You know, this is not a new thing that we're seeing. If it was a one-off uh, as a result of lacking match sharpness then you could mitigate it to a certain extent but it's not a new thing you know and Lindelof had a torrid torrid afternoon bless him actually not bless him no he was bad and once United were then able to get a measure of control in the game and start passing it was honestly in that first half it was only really long-range efforts that provided us with any real relief you know there was a real lack of quality on the flanks in terms of our crossing and the final ball was often pretty rubbish and you know, it, it felt very much like this game last season. You know, people were telling me that United created far more in that game and played a bit more intensity. And I guess with a full pre-season, that's not much of a surprise. But the end result was very much the same, wasn't it? Plenty of possession and no real cutting edge. Yeah, I don't think it was really intensity at the back. I think it's the, the problem we've had for a long time is really concentration. Kind of concentration with, like you said, with, with the organisation, maybe. Well, organisation, yeah, but I think part of that comes with concentration. I, I don't think Lindelof is ever switched on enough. I don't think De Gea is careful enough with the ball. I think for a long time, when he's he, he's looked almost kind of lazy on the ball, hasn't he? When he's been under pressure at the back, almost as if he just takes his time and he thinks everything will go on, you know, work out around him and kind of like, like he's in the Matrix. Um, <laughs> and and you see that, you know, and it's it's kind of coupled with the fact that you know if you put a guy like Fosse Mensah in there who I think he's he's in, in my opinion in the, in the Andreas Pereira school of not actually even being a Premier League footballer um then you know that just that just compounds the issues doesn't it I'm really surprised he started Fosse Mensah again I mean the last time 
off the top of my head, I think the last time Fossimenta started was that against West Ham at home. I forget yeah, who started. Yeah, it wasn't great, if I recall. It was West West Ham at home, and he got he got taken off at half time, didn't he, or just after half time because he was having such mm. a hopeless game. So to pick him, the other thing as well, Bradley Brandon Williams hasn't hasn't been away. I presume that this this search for a left back and the exploration of perhaps looking at at Reggion and then obviously not getting him was was with a view to him kind of taking being being Shoals Shaw's alternate and then and then Williams moving and backing up right back from Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So mm. that was a strange a strange decision for me and I, all of those things combined for the to make the defense very very porous more porous than usual and then I think you could see again how just how much we lose when Matic isn't playing in that in that pivot role. I mean I know he's not he's not agile, he's not quick, he's not great on the ball, but I think he's very tactically sound, he's very tactically aware. Um whereas I think the problem with McTominay is that he he hairs about a lot and he puts an enormous amount of effort in but he almost covers too much more ground than he needs to. Yeah, I mean the problem is when you're playing alongside Pogba and Fernandez is that you have a guy in Matic who actually tends to take a lot of touches and will recycle the ball a lot, which means that yeah. Pogba and Fernandez can afford to move. If you got McTominay because as you mentioned there because his passing range isn't as good because he is a lot more active on the pitch that means oftentimes that Pogba and Fernandez have got to be a lot more static because yeah. they need to be there to receive the ball and it just didn't work today at all did it no i mean it's difficult to pinpoint anything on the pitch that did work to be honest as i say i think that there's enormous mitigation for that um but it also has obviously highlighted issues that we had already um, that were perhaps exposed even more by the by the lack of preparation and and whatever else. And we can talk about again. We can talk about the, the fact that United haven't got players in so far. Again, I think there's some mitigation. Read the club with that. But by the same token, I think we should have done something, even if it wasn't necessarily 120 million on Jaden Sancho. I've got a lot of sympathy for Ole Gunnar today. Um, though I have my doubts over him, I have done for a long time in terms of his level as a coach. I think he's pretty much had a hospital pass this summer. I mean, we haven't even talked about about Greenwood. I, I suspect Greenwood was probably dropped as a punishment today. Mm. Uh, and, I, I, you know, it's difficult It's difficult to argue against that. I mean, he did something incredibly well, stupid. tiredness, to be fair. You know, Ollie did mention in his presser on Friday that he didn't want him to play those England games because he felt that Mason was tired. Yeah, and I mean, he was, he was up shagging as well, wasn't he? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, I just... It's very uncouth, but correct, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's true. I mean, just there anything that could have gone wrong went wrong this summer, didn't it? You know, the whole thing with Maguire was a big distraction as well. Greenwood's thing was a distraction. There are so many things that led to today, and I think I think absolutely everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. I mean, the problem is, is that a result in a performance like today is coming under such a cloud of negativity at the moment, especially because, in some ways, there's a lot of justified anger across social media and within the fan base and because there's no fans going to games at the minute that's kind of all you see and it's not it's tiring and I I get why it's there don't get me wrong I know that United's transfer dealings and the way that they go about things is tiring and frustrating that there's no arguing that and United have taken you know if we're going to talk about the time to act the time to act was when Champions League football was sealed you know, after that victory over Leicester, you know, and United could have saved themselves some headaches, especially with the start of the season, knowing they were going to be starting later due to our involvement in the Europa League. 
knowing that with the Nations League as well, there were going to be several players who would be playing football and wouldn't be in the best starting position in terms of their fitness and their sharpness. And then knowing that they weren't really going to have any preseason apart from one or two friendlies at the very maximum, you know, bringing in a couple of players in that instance would really have helped out. And United so far haven't done it, you know, and we can discuss how much of an impact Jaden Sancho would have had on a game like today all we like. I think United's desire to really try and get the best deal possible and drawing transfer sagas out for longer than is arguably helpful to the manager is somewhat de- is being pretty detrimental to the way the season could potentially have started. I'm not saying that that's the only reason because I do think that there is blame to go all over the place. There's blame to the likes of Lindelof for his performance today for the mistakes that he made. There's blame to Solskjaer for picking him for a start. I mean, I guess you could arguably have chucked someone else in, but it's not like United have a lot of high-quality options to replace him at the moment. No. But it's just all come together into such a negative blob of sticky awfulness. And mm. you ended up with a result like today with a Palace team who, know, as as is mentioned, they know exactly who they are. They are a very well-drilled unit who have had several games to start themselves up this season. United look anything but a team that's had enough time together over the last month or so to really get themselves back up to sharpness. And we are starting at a disadvantage, but that's not necessarily that much of an excuse at this stage. Also, when you consider the quality of the players that we've got, and I do think that as I said, blame needs to be attributed to almost everyone, the club, for what happened today. Yeah, I mean, again... I mean, you know, obviously not the kit man, but you know what I mean. You know, We're we're talking Oli, the players and the board. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be collective blame. Again, and and I've spoken about this before, but I do think... I do think there's some mitigation for the club as well in that I don't think a lot of people appreciate just how badly affected the finances have been. And don't get me wrong, you know, we've got owners who who cost United money and, you you know, Chelsea and City have got owners who put money in. So, you know, that that is clearly an issue. But even if United were entirely self-sufficient, you know, they, we weren't losing money, but we were, but they the owners weren't putting money in either. The finances are really difficult this summer. We've lost, we'll, we'd have lost more money than any other club as a result of COVID, partially because we've done the right thing in many ways for you know to continue paying staff even casual staff that are, that are contractors and not not directly employed by the club keeping on every player under 19 um etc you know we've made a lot of decisions that have increased the financial blow on the club of, of covid and i get the impression that when we decided that Jaden sancho was going to be our first our, our main target and that's that's got to be something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has asked for you know, he clearly wants Jaden Sancho as his main target. And he may well be saying to to Edward Ward or Matt Judge or the Glazers or whoever, you know, we need to go for the run run this as long as we can to try and get him because he's a game changing player and we'll mm-hmm. never get another run at him. So but I do think we've had to be very, very careful with money and and I don't think people I know I know people get angry about the things that Edward Ward said this week and I'm no fan of Edward Ward by any means, but but he's absolutely right and We've done one piece of business in Van Bake, which I think is a very, very sensible piece of business, a very good value piece of business, and I think he'll end up being a really good player for United. But even with Liverpool, people are saying, you know, look at the business Liverpool have done. But ultimately, all, Liverpool have missed out on Timo Werner because they didn't have the cash to, re- to pay his release clause. They've signed an absolutely fantastic footballer in Thiago for a brilliant fee. 
you know, they brought in a really high-class midfielder, the same that we have, and they've signed a guy from Wolves who, frankly, Wolves, he wasn't really... I mean, he's a good, really good player, but he wasn't he wasn't first choice at Wolves, and so Wolves will be absolutely delighted to have got football, up to 45 million quid for him. Um, so it's easy to look at other clubs, aside from Chelsea and City, who we know are ridiculously cash-rich, and say, well, they've brought players in, but would we want Pierre-Emile Huyberg or... You know, we'd, we, we'd have wanted Reggion, but would we want Reggion if we if, if Real Madrid had the right to buy him back next summer? You know, so, and, and I do think if, if if Ollie's saying, let's persist with Sancho and run this as long as we can and let's hope that, that Dortmund bend a little bit, then our hands are to, to a degree tied in other stuff. And I mean, ultimately, Ollie can't get, get the players out the door that he wants to leave. He can't, he can't make the club sell Rocco this week or... Jones or whoever or Lingard or, or whatever you know that's not in his hands that that is in the club's hands but they've tied their own hands in that respect by giving them such big contracts um mm. so I mean the, the, this 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 start of the season is if there's nothing in the world either either the result of the Glazers or result of Ed Woodward or Ollie or the way the summer's fallen or just absolutely everything that could have been wrong or against us this summer including the gods has ha, has been against this and i think that that performance today and that 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 degree of preparation today is is really a consequence of of that um sure i mean all he said after the game they palace prepped with four friendlies while we had only one friendly and it showed we are way short and it's hammered home that we need to improve that is not good enough yeah. against any team in the premier league and he's right you know and we were yeah. talking about the depth of the squad in terms of how much of a quality drop you can see when you start taking key members of the starting 11 out and second half in particular if we're going to go back to focus on the game you think about Fossi Mensa I mean especially in the first sort of five or ten minutes every single time he had the ball out wide and he could have thought actually try and run try and take your man on try for a cross he was just passing it constantly back but then again he still had our best cross probably of the whole second half when he found Mason Greenwood at the far post and Greenwood could just only uh, prod it wide you know, there was such a lack of intensity that, again, as we've said, mitigate seems to be the key word this evening. And you can explain that away, but you can't necessarily explain the lack of quality. You know, the lack of sharpness, again, you can explain away. But I don't think anyone really provided any, apart from Donny van der Beek, who came on to get the one goal and provide us with a bit of a spark of hopefulness that Wolf Zaha quickly snuffed out with Palace's third goal I don't think anyone's really done themselves much of a favour today and looking back to the goal itself I mean you know of course it's the first game of the season and United had a penalty against them so let's have a nice big VAR chat um mm. as harsh as you can say that that penalty decision was because all right Victor Lindelof's silhouette is not necessarily in its most natural position but he's obviously not trying to handball that his arm is just up and it's come off it United weren't playing like a side who were going to get anything from that game prior to the concession of that penalty. And as harsh as that was, I couldn't necessarily say that Palace didn't deserve it. You know, there were several moments where United were just struggling to create anything and they were giving the ball away in silly positions and Palace were just happy to break. And if it wasn't I, it was Townsend. If it wasn't him, it was Zaha. They were able to get the ball forward very quickly and they punished us. I mean, what's your view on the penalty? I think it's ridiculous. Look, it's one of those penalties that if we get it, we laugh. 
we laugh and go, yeah, uh, and we probably think actually that's a bit harsh, but <clears throat> but we got a penalty. But if it happens to you, I mean, it, Lindelof's not even looking at the ball; he's looking the other way. There's absolutely no intention there. I mean, he's basically running. That's it. He's just running and attempting and, and trying to get his body between the ball and the goal, the player in the goal. In that situation, the, the only circumstance in which I think that is a penalty is if this kind of inadvertent handball actually prevents a, a goal or a goal or a very, you know, a very, a very good goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, a good chance. Yeah, and I think in, in that circumstance, that clearly wasn't wasn't the case. It, it's not a penalty for me. I, it, I think I was I was I'm afraid I forget his name, but there's a guy on uh, I follow on Twitter. It's a journalist who really kind of specialises in the laws of the game, um, and he said that this this year FIFA of um, the, the the handball rules have been amended slightly by IFAB and through FIFA as well, um, and that we're going to see a lot more handballs like that. Yeah. Um, it's made it's made handball a lot easier to give for the referees. Um, so. I mean, that part of it is well. If that's the rule, that's the rule. But but it's bloody harsh when it's given against you. I, I know what you're saying about it not being. We couldn't complain about being behind in the game or being a couple of goals behind or whatever. But even if you're not creating anything, even if you're really struggling to create a goal down, you've at least got a shot, haven't you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, some United teams of the past would have done so, but <laughs> maybe this one a little bit less so. I mean, again, yeah. what did you make of the? I mean. That wonderful moment where we thought for the first time since, what, 2011? United had actually saved a penalty in open play where De Gea got down to, I think it was Ayu's penalty, wasn't it, originally? Yeah. And then, of course, it was called back because he was, what, a couple of inches off his line at the time that the penalty was actually taken. So Martin Atkinson calls it back and Wolf Zaha confidently slots it past because there was not going to be a repeat of the save. I mean, I'll just reiterate it, Rich. I, I didn't feel like United were horrifically hard done by to be 2-0 down. And yeah, there is a chance at 1-0. But could you honestly say United were destined to score in that game? It didn't feel like we'd stepped our game up at any point, really. Apart from maybe the last couple of minutes when we chucked in a couple of half-decent crosses and mm. sped things up a little. But that was way, way too late. And we got pretty lucky to get back into the game for all of, what, five minutes when Donny van der Beek managed to get his first goal after coming on as a sub before uh, Pogba. And, you know, he looked bright, he looked energetic, he looked up for it, and he took advantage of, you know, the one really bad piece of Palace defending when the ball was just going around the penalty area and he just slotted it home, you know, and it was something of a reprieve that I don't necessarily think United warranted or deserved. Um, but having got back into the game then, you're hoping that United might be able to turn it into 2-2. At that point, there was still 10 minutes left to play. But a, prior to the concession of the second goal, it looked like Palace were most likely to score. And as soon as United got back into the game, again, it looked like Palace were going to be the most likely to get the goal. And it's Lindelof again. And that third goal was in some ways the most frustrating of the bunch because he's just not anywhere near strong enough in the challenge to get anything on that ball it was so poor and that's not down to sharpness that's just down to basic application and allowing Zaha to get the drop on him and he just fires it home after a couple of big bits of play you know it wasn't it was great work by Zaha and I'm not taking anything away from him but again it's, it's a woeful lack of application from Lindelof that's allowed that goal to go in and he's not the only one because Harry Maguire on several occasions had a couple of nightmarish passes and just positionally was all over the shop at times today 
And I think Lindelof is perhaps a little bit unlucky that Maguire wasn't involved in a more glaring lack of defensive application that means that we're focusing a bit more on him. But it's just so common from Lindelof these days. And mm. it's not just on him that United lost today. Clearly that's not the case because no one really shone bar van der Beek. And I'm giving him a hospital pass there because he's new. <laughs> but no one really stood out. It was a really low energy, low intensity, low application performance from almost top to bottom. We didn't look sharp. We didn't look ready. We didn't look capable of really troubling Palace at any real point in that game. And coming off the back of the summer we've had after a season where you're really hoping United were going to kick on, I guess the way the summer has gone in terms of the way that we've gone about our transfers is yet further indication that we're not necessarily going to be able to push on much from where we currently are. And you know, I guess, should we really be surprised at this point, you know, that we're struggling with all these mitigating circumstances, with having a rubbish preseason, with having a, you know, chief negotiators who are slow to negotiate deals. Again, as I said earlier on, it's just a very big, messy blob, though, isn't it, Rich? And it, it, it it's combined to create the situation that we have today where, you know, we're playing Luton on Tuesday in the League Cup and then away at Brighton. And you're just hoping that by the time we get to the game on Saturday lunchtime, we're looking a lot sharper than we are now. Otherwise, it could be a really ugly first three or four games of this campaign, which is exactly what we didn't want to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the reality is that in the circumstances with no pre-season, it feels very unlikely that we're going to get back into our stride, really, for probably a month. I thought it was interesting, actually, that United were clearly one of the sides that managed the the COVID break the best. We we came back incredibly fresh, incredibly sharp. And it was interesting that we played Sheffield United in our first game back and, and you saw when they came back that they clearly weren't half as prepared as as we were or had been. Um, you know, they really struggled in the first three or four games. They just weren't sharp. They weren't ready. Um, they'd, they'd obviously got it wrong when they were in, in their maintenance and, in, and then their, their sort of training and sharpness before the season started again. And I don't think it's something that can be fixed in a week. You know, I think we're going to have to, certainly for the next three or four games, probably just try and shit our way to some sort of form. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, ultimately... No, no, I mean, I don't disagree. I think United... We said this a little bit on the on the preview episode last week. There's an element that United just have to try and muddle through with what they've got with players at various different levels of fitness and just try and blast their way through games as best as they can you know and it's not going to be easy you know we're playing Spurs in two weeks if memory serves and that is going to be a horrible game if we are anything if we were playing anywhere near the level we are today but there is no easy fix to it and as frustrating as it is as tiring as it is and as depressing as today's result and performance was United have got to roll with it as best they can and respond as quickly as possible you know there's there's no real time to feel sorry for themselves you know it's been three seasons since United have started a season a Premier League campaign in competent terms Mm. with good results for the first three to four games and it's certainly not helped today by that performance but as tiring as it is to be in the situation with inept people doing your transfers and the big problems in this side not getting the proper attention after years of us bashing our heads against a brick wall i guess we just got to get on with it really haven't we rich there's not really much more you can say after that no look if i think if covid hadn't happened we'd probably have another player in now we i think we'd probably assign Jaden sancho and and maybe one other as well and it, but it it just has all been so foobar and i guess that the, the lack of money has 
and the lack of time is further exposed to the people who have that job. There literally is nothing that could have gone wrong or could be going wrong that hasn't gone wrong. And, I'm, you know, coronavirus has affected everybody. So I don't want to, you know, I'm not suggesting that United are alone in that. But on top of everything else, I just think that it's it's completely exposed. It's further exposed the squad in a way that perhaps it wouldn't have done if we had more cash to, to throw at signings. And it's exposed those who are doing the deals because they've had even less time and less money. To, do, to to throw at things as than they that they normally do. It's just shit. I mean, like, I I I was trying to think back to to kind of equivalent seasons. The start to I think it was the season we did the did the double one. The was it oh seven oh eight when we started off with an awful home draw against Reading and then oh, we oh yeah then we and drew then we, at Portsmouth then and we, we lost to City. Yeah, we yeah. drew at Pompey and we lost Rooney and we lost Ronaldo and we lost at lost at City in a terrible game. And there was another, I remember another season as well. It may have even been the following season where we played, or the previous, I can't remember, we played Newcastle at home. And that was the game where um, we started the game with Rodrigo Possibon and <laughs> Fraser Richardson started up front. We did, literally had half a squad. Fraser Campbell. Uh, Fraser Campbell, I beg your pardon, yes. Sorry, Fraser yeah. Campbell um, started up front and, and, and ne- nearly scored with the header that Shea Given saved with his shoulder from about two yards. But yeah, I mean, we've had these disorganised, unfortunate starts before. Um, but fortunately, they've come at times when we've had a really strong team and a strong squad that's able to come come back from it. Whereas you feel, at the moment, we're not necessarily in that situation and we've got an even greater density of games before we're really going to find ourselves at full fitness and full full strength. I mean, I do, I do think United will bring in a player or two in the next next 16 days. I think people are yeah, yeah. going a bit... Going, getting a bit silly and you know I, I know why people are frustrated I completely understand it I know play, people want players in before the start of the season but if you look at everybody else you know nobody apart from Chelsea and and City have really just thrown a ton of money at players and, and got them in nice and early or got really good players in nice and early I mean even looking well, at Liverpool have just signed Jota and Thiago as you mentioned there just yeah, I mean, over the I mean, course well, yeah, of the they... last 24 hours of those signings being completed yeah, and that, that's a week after the season started as well. So, yeah, you know, you're really only looking at those two. And I know when it, when you, you you look at Chelsea and you think, you know, you just you finish literally just below us and you've bungled all this money and we haven't. But every, I think almost every club. I know Spurs are suddenly doing some business now, but again, you know, people were saying, "Who would you have Gareth Bale last week?" And I would say, I really wouldn't want Gareth Bale. I mean, he's out for the first month of the season anyway, um, and obviously they've got Reggie on on terms, which I wouldn't take him for United it's very difficult there are an awful lot of clubs in similar positions and if we are still thinking of potentially spending 100 million on Jaden Sancho or big money on somebody else then you can understand why we're hanging on and and Liverpool are in the same boat as us they need to get some players out they need to get some wages off the off the wage bill and and we've got four or five that we're trying to get out the door and it almost feels like we can't pull the trigger on anything else until we've cleared some of those guys off the wage bill and everybody's doing the same thing because because everybody knows that at the end of the window clubs will be desperate to either get players out or get money in yeah and, and so everyone everyone can play it till the end of the window can't they sure i mean we discussed this a little bit you know united in terms of trying to get players out one of the most high profile exits that we're hoping is the wrong word but expected to see would be chris smalling right and it seems like negotiations, at least for the time being, are at a complete standstill because Roma won't pay the asking price. But United have been frequently criticised for selling players on the cheap for a long time and are now selling a player who has got 
a lot of Premier League experience and did a really good job for Roma last season for a price that they deem appropriate. Less around 20 million, I think, in total with the loan fee as well from last season. Yeah. And Roma don't seem to want to pay it. So we'll see whether or not that changes. I mean, again, as you mentioned, the market is at a very strange point at the minute, but it's a perfect storm for the club at the moment with players coming back so late on with no preseason games with you know people lacking in fitness lacking in sharpness and only one signing brought in for a various raft of circumstances it's just created what can best be described in spinal tap terms as a shit sandwich yeah and it's not going to taste any better for a little while unfortunately is my reading of the situation no. but who well, knows you know i mean maybe we'll get a good performance against uh brighton next saturday afternoon i mean lord knows i'd love mm. to see that and i think just some shred of positivity to hang on to because there really wasn't much of anything to take out of today that really made me feel better about the season coming ahead and especially considering how many games we've got to go oh man that's a tiring thought <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of games. I mean, something we thought I just thought of as well that we'd forgotten. You know, those those Nations League games were just oh, insane. Yeah. One, you know, pick two nation two Nations League games in in that short gap between United season ending or the the European season ending and you know and, and the season starting again. I looked at the. Uh, it's a quick scan, so people may forgive me if I'm if I'm one or so out. But I think United had eight players that were playing in the Nations League in the squad, and I think looking at Palace, I think it, it, it it's three or four. Um, and I'm not absolutely certain on those either. I, I'm not sure if McCarthy and, and MacArthur both went went away or not. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> there's just there's just so much that's been absolutely ridiculous. That's that's been really unfortunate for us. And yeah, we are just going to have to shit it out and hope we can pick up a few points. The one thing I'd say is we cannot. <clears throat> it it would be absolutely astonishing if we found ourselves again in the same position we are in on January the whatever it was uh, this year after we just lost to Burnley and we were in the bin weren't we absolutely in the bin I, you know, <laughs> I, think, I think we'd won about we we won like four games before December didn't we I think or before Christmas in the league which is just absolutely insane so if we can get ourselves going and you know we we know we should be able to do better than that even if at that point and try and kick on from there but pfft, we're just gonna have to wing it for a bit yeah i mean i am not looking forward to the The season (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i think it'd be really big if ali could get a result on saturday by hook or crook if we can get a victory at brighton that at least gives us buys some time because Mm. this is not a fun period for him to be in i'm sure especially with players at various different stages and their preparedness for what's to come over the next 12 months or so so if we can go away to Brighton and scum our way to a victory in some way I'd take it at this present moment in time just to, just for a respite you know gotta beat Luton first <laughs> that's true I mean again like if we go out of the Carabao Cup to Luton I'm not sure I'd really care that much no, <laughs> it'd be one less now. competition to play in in a season that is going to be horrifically crammed so I'd like to win a competition don't get me wrong and I know Bruno Fernandes new player of the season Bruno Fernandes would very much say the same but i'm not necessarily sure i agree with him considering how this season is looking at this exact moment in time but that's a question for another time we have a small favor to ask friends if you're enjoying the show please help spread the word leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts acast or any podcast app you use it's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated 
Do you want some questions, Richard? Uh, yeah, go on. I mean, Must you could I? not have sounded... I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I can answer them myself. Do you want to just sit quietly for the next 10 minutes or so? No, no, you can hit me with the question. I'll, I'll take it as it comes. Oh, good. All right. Shokanthanima, how to cope with depression caused by United? Any tips appreciated? Sigh. Uh, that's a good question. Um, Dave yeah. Parry has offered Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, I think probably... Although but... I think if you're going to be properly top-read about it, it would be Singer, because I think, as far as I recall, that's the beer that we provide on the concourse these days. Is it? Uh, no, yeah. I think... I Probably think, both. Uh, yeah, probably beer and pills. Um, or that's that's <laughs> probably not very healthy, is it? Um, for the fathers amongst us, probably go and spend more time with your children. Fathers and mothers, I beg your pardon. Fathers and mothers. Yes. Miles Bailey asks, what does Bai have to do to get a game if Lindelof can keep getting picked to start despite poor performances over and over? Now, I think we were at the point towards the end of last season, and indeed at various points during the season, where we were thinking it would be lovely if Bayou was fit and able to take part in some of these games because Viktor Lindelof is not really establishing himself or helping himself whatsoever. And today was another game. I mean, was Bayou on the bench today at all? I think he was. I, I, I think my understanding is from the previous week that he isn't fully fit um, yeah. and he won't be for both. I mean, two and Debbie slightly behind him as well, but I'm pretty sure Ollie said a few weeks ago that. The Bai and Two and Zebe wouldn't likely be fully fit until um, kind of late September at the earliest. Yeah, that poses only another issue to deal with because if we've got these two as our centre-back partnership for the next month or so, then ugh, I'm concerned, my friend. I'm concerned indeed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Bai was on the bench today. I think, as you mentioned there, it's almost definitely a fitness thing because I think you can get more out of Eric Bai despite his... Uh, brain farts isn't the, the right term i think eccentricity is probably hmm. what i would say yes um <laughs> then you can for lindelof we know what lindelof's about now you know he's in his what his third season at united if not fourth and mm. we have seen enough of him to suggest that he is going to struggle to produce what we need from him consistently and as such, repeatedly get being picked and seeing those mistakes happen, especially considering that his last proper game was against Sevilla, in, in which he was uh, culpable in a large part for that second goal. It's just extra galling, really, isn't it? I don't know what Ollie sees in him, really, if I'm honest. I mean, you could say assuredness to a certain extent on the ball when United aren't being pressed, but even that isn't necessarily that evident that often, is it? Yeah, but when United aren't being pressed is, is a pretty important qualification, isn't it? Yep. Do you want to feel better, though? West Ham have just equalised. Yes, thanks Thanks for ruining that for me. That's all right. <laughs> As I said, I'm about a minute behind, but that's 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 nice. It's, it's been nice... that kind of day, Richard. Just has... let me have this. It's one of those days where you just watch other teams and you just think it doesn't really matter, does it? Who cares? Mm. Yeah, it might, it'll feel better I mean, if we win again. Leeds score four goals but concede three against Fulham, so that was fun. It was... Everson scored five today. Yeah, it, it was fun. And I hate to say it, but... But Leeds are going to be seriously good value this season, aren't they? They're I mean, they're going to be great entertainment. They're going to be great entertainment. They really are. They're just completely mad. The whole yeah. thing is completely mad. I mean, they had that game absolutely sewn up and then just went went completely balmy. Um, mm. And then nearly threw it away against an absolutely terrible Fulham team. So, yeah, seven. they're averaging seven seven goals in their games at the moment. So, What's the prediction for when we play them for the first time this season? Then I would imagine they'll probably put four or five past us. And we'll... How many are we going to score? No, I doubt. Maybe two. <laughs> It'll be some sort of ritual humiliation, won't it? I mean... We'll just get uh, Bielsa into the ground. Uh, I mean, 
I thought you were supposed to be the voice of positivity slash reason this week. Yeah, I just keep, I just, I watch them and I, I've i watched Leeds twice now and they just cut teams to shit. And I know they've played, <laughs> they've played Fulham today and Fulham really don't, doesn't take much to cut Fulham to shit. But um, they made a mincemeat of Liverpool going forward last weekend and really gave mm. them a proper game. And I just think if you're a team that can't play through a press, you're a team that doesn't start games with intensity or doesn't play with intensity enough. Um, I think you're going to get absolutely leathered by a Bielsa team, um, mm. and thus my fear is that 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 might that that may come to pass. I will pull it back for that comment that you just made about it's not very difficult to cut Fulham to shit to uh, January twelfth, Tuesday at uh, seven forty-five at Craven Cottage, and mm. we'll just. Uh, this, this is me putting a pin in that just to see how... Just, just putting a prophecy out there. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Tariq Amir. Won't anyone think of Ed's feelings? Uh, no. Not going to sugarcoat it. Palace deserved the win. Sure, mitigating circumstances, but can't defend that performance. Would be the new signing who scores two. I mean, it was a nice moment for Donny. It was just unfortunate that, you know, you saw him in the stands looking particularly forlorn and then he was the one who had to get wheeled out in front of the cameras to try and explain that performance. He's got less mm. responsibility for that than anyone on the pitch, as far as I'm concerned. I, I did quip, actually, in the first half, didn't I, in the WhatsApp group, that it's the first sighting of Donny Van Bake's holy shit, we're bad face. It was uh, very much the Sound of Silence meme, wasn't it? It was, and, and, and I suspect we'll obviously see it a reasonable amount more this season as well, because that's that's United now, isn't it? It's just a it's small periods of hope but there's probably a couple of months of hope in it in any given season followed by crushing disappointment and or regression to the mean i've been trying to work out when during the season i'd like that period of hope to come it was quite nice finishing the season on a period of hope wasn't it or, or a period of, of sustained um performances but even then the the, sem- the the semi-final and then the the severe game kind of battered it out of us yeah so, um i, I, I was know. wondering where you were getting that hope from to be honest with you mate i mean yeah it's all coming back to me now it, it was repressed, yeah exactly repressed memories <laughs> yeah i mean if it if it, it ended in the leicester game i'm sure we would have felt a lot a little bit differently about the season yeah. and i you know it's not an excuse but i do wonder how much of an effect carrying the season on several weeks longer than most of the teams in the country is going to have an effect on united season now you know it's much yeah. less time to get ready. Um, it meant that a lot of players had got a very fractured preseason and preparation. And I do wonder just how much of an effect that's going to have on these first couple of weeks. And if we've seen today, if it's like that, it's really going to be a while, as you mentioned, until we get up to speed. Mm. Right, Luton Town on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup third round. Uh, mm. Had a quick look at the Sky Bet Championship. They have won their first two games. They are looking much more confident than we are, Rich. I don't think that's going to be a fun game at all. No, it'd be interesting to see what Team Ollie puts out. You're trying to balance out the need to get your first team players fit, but also the need to not completely flame your first team players by month three of the season. It's just going to be really interesting to see what team he puts out. I suspect it'll be a considerably changed team uh, god only knows what happens in that game i, I, I dread to think at this point um yeah <laughs> we'll either we'll either be really really competent and then go to brighton and lose or we'll just be horrendous and go to brighton and lose anyway <laughs> <laughs> neither i mean those are basically the same thing they are they are basically the same thing i suppose yeah my, my hopes for the next week aren't great i mean i just want to point out 46 minutes ago you said you were going to be the voice of positivity well and i'm not slowly no, no. I mean, drained out Perhaps the positivity wasn't the right word, but I'm going to be the voice of of, of reason and mitigation. Okay. There are there are many reasons why things are this bad, and not all of them are our fault. That's true. <laughs> I guess let's see how everything pans out next with Saturday against Brighton, which I'll catch up with you then. Yeah, enjoy. I'd say enjoy the week, but um, 
like, yeah. Well, United are involved in it in some capacity, so I doubt that's possible. At least a month off doesn't feel like enough, does it? Not after today, no. No, no. It didn't really feel enough before today, but it definitely doesn't feel like enough now. Yeah, uh-uh. let's let's hope that never happens again. Indeed. <laughs> right, well, all that measured pre-season positivity that we had on last week's episode seems to have slowly drained away, or at least pretty quickly drained away, but there we go, such as following Manchester United. But as always, thank you so much for joining us. We hugely appreciate it. And in the meantime, if you want to talk to us about anything United-related, you must know at this stage you can do so on Twitter. You can get Rich at, at Rich Red Voices. You can get me at you and like this. You can get Paul at Paul Gunning one and the podcast itself at Red Voices MUFC alongside our blog at redvoices.net. Don't forget, as we mentioned before, any reviews you can offer for the podcast on Acast, on iTunes or Spotify are hugely helpful. And in the meantime, I guess we'll talk to you after the Brighton game next weekend. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>